Hi, I'm Sarah Jenner. And I'm Mary Ann Baton, and you're listening to Conversations with Impact. Every month, we chat with a new expert speaker about different workplace challenges and how to overcome them. The purpose of these conversations is to share insights and solutions to challenging topics. And have a positive impact on our guests who attend. We also highlight a charity that's doing incredible work. Thanks for being here, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Conversations with Impact. This month's live event will focus on keeping hybrid teams connected. Um, Marianne, you brought this topic up, so do you want to say a little bit about hybrid teams? Just that I think whether we want to or not, many people are going to be part of a hybrid Mm -hmm. team, meaning some people are at home and some people are going to be on site. And the thing for leaders is if you've never done this before, it is more work Mm -hmm. because you have to think about the sensitivities of those who are working at home and may feel that they're missing out. And you have to think about the sensitivities of those who are in the workplace and feel like the people who are at home are having it easy. (laughs) It is a balancing act all the time. Um, On today's event, we're so excited to be joined by Christine Hildebrand. She'll be joining us in a minute. Christine has over 20 years of experience in leadership roles and is proudly serving as the VP Health and Ability Strategy for Canada Life. After achieving a Bachelor of Nursing from the University of Manitoba, she gained experience as a community nurse and has held several positions with Canada Life in their disability, drug and health and dental operations. As a leader, she's passionate about fostering psychologically healthy workplaces to support the success of her employees and the organization. I'm so excited about this conversation. Christine's gonna join us in a moment, Um, but I thought it would be so interesting to open this conversation up where we talk about our first time managing a hybrid team. Cause I know for me, it it did not go well at all. So I'm looking forward to hearing also what Christine has to say. Hey, Christine. Hello. How are you? I am good. How about you? We're good. We're good. So we have just welcomed everyone. And I was just explaining how off the bat, I would love for each of us to share our own personal experiences with our first time um, supporting and leading a hybrid team. So I'm wondering, would you like to start us off with that? What was your first experience like supporting a hybrid team? (laughs) Okay, sure. Um, well, I started leading hybrid teams years ago, um, but it was really pretty, pretty small where we'd have one person on a team, maybe working remotely. But one of my earliest experiences, uh, around this was when I had made the decision to make some organizational structure changes with some of my teams that had been 100% based in the office in Winnipeg. And I selected a leader for that team that worked remotely from another province. Mm -hmm. So org structure changes are hard to begin with. And then to have a leader that they don't know who's now in a remote location was a little bit scary. And this was all before, you know, there was really much technology other than the telephone. And it was really hard for that new leader to start building the connection, especially when the announcement was made and people were struggling and trying to adjust, you know, to it. So we ended up flying the leader into Winnipeg. Um, You know, there was also challenges that I was still in Winnipeg and I was sitting near the team. And so the team would tend to come, you know, and ask me questions or talk to me because I I was easy. I was, I was there. I was in, in front of them. 
And, you know, just managing meetings um, with the leader and the team was challenging. You know, we ended up buying webcams um, and that helped a little bit. But, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I guess I would say that my first experience was pretty, pretty challenging and hard. But, you know, thanks to a committed team and um, to a really strong leader, you know, trust was built and, and they found the best way to work together. But it was a bumpy road. But they are now quite a high performing team to this day. So oh. that's my my story. Oh, that's amazing. And it almost sounds like they were set up for the pandemic and all the changes that would come. They're like, this is a breeze for us. We've been through this before. It's not a huge adjustment for them. It was definitely easier for that team for sure. But I had many teams that weren't, you know, quite as as familiar with this this way of working. Yeah. And what about you? What was your first hybrid team experience like? Yeah, I, I, I like you, I've had a few disasters. Mm -hmm. And and part of it is that I'm really good at reading people. I'm not really good at reading screens. Mm -hmm. And so I what I think is that I get passionate about ideas. But I think on a screen, I can't see if people are overwhelmed with my so called passion. <laughs> or if they're actually understanding it as getting excited. Yeah. And I had a case where two people felt that I was intimidating mm -hmm. them, that I was shutting them down. Mm -hmm. And I was mortified, you know, because that wasn't my intention. But just to understand the difference that we need to get to know our team mm -hmm. somehow, yeah. whether they're hybrid or they're in person, so that they know who you are and you know who they are. I, to speak to that, I mean, when you were my leader, it helped so much that I knew you as a person so well, because like when you were away and we were having conversations about work, I could totally see how someone might like take an email as like, oh my gosh, like everything's being overhauled. What are we doing? And then for me though, because I knew you, it's like, okay, no, she's just very amped about this and it's fine. Like the world is not on fire no one's died. Um, for me, I would say my first experience with a hybrid team, I on like to this day, I'm, I don't mind saying like, I think I was a terrible leader when it came to having hybrid employees. I'd been so used to my entire career, always working in the same place with one another. And when that connection was lost, I really struggled investing time into their development. And it became one of those things where if they were struggling with something, I would just do it rather than to take stop and take the time to show them how to do it. So then they felt comfortable. And it wasn't that I didn't believe in their capabilities. I know they were a strong, um, competent individual. I was just so flustered by it. And I think I um, thought, oh, this will just make it faster for me. And it didn't because then they never got a chance to understand like how to do something, how to, they didn't have the opportunity to build their skills. And I just ended up taking on more than I should have been like, and I think that now I think of that employee and I think, gosh, I hope that they, um, they never second guessed what that I thought they were capable, that I thought they were competent because it really, that wasn't the case at all. It was just me essentially being selfish as a leader and just trying to um, make things easier on myself. Yeah, and that's the thing. Christine is invited here today because she is one of the greatest leaders that I've ever met in my career. 
And, and that's not from me, yeah. but from the people that work for her. Mm -hmm. And so, Christine, what I really value about you is how honest and direct you are about the challenges. And so that's my question to you is what are the challenges that you've faced managing a hybrid team or that other leaders that you've managed have faced? Well, you know, Marianne, I've had a few challenges and, and, you know, certainly over the last couple of years, um, we've gone into more of a hybrid kind of world than we had ever been in the past and, and are, are still moving in that direction, um, post pandemic. Um, you know, so I've got, I've got people who are in the same city and then I have teams where part of the team is in the, in the same city and the rest of the team members are across Canada. And then I have teams where the leaders in another location. And then I have teams where no one is in the same location. So I had a number of challenges that I've had to deal with. You know, first of all, there's the issue of time zones and working hours. And it's sometimes a challenge to remember to not schedule meetings outside of an individual's core working hours. And I did that. I, I booked a meeting um, more than once with someone. Uh, and it was 6 a.m. in B.C., and the person felt pressured to attend and I just felt so bad. And I, I think this example ties in nicely to the challenge that you have to find a way to support employees to maintain their boundaries because it's so easy just to keep jumping back into work or keep working longer hours when you're working at home. And that can just lead to frustration and burnout and disengagement over time. And, and no one really wants that. Um, and I've had a number of challenges tied to meetings um, in the situation where the majority of the team was together in office for a meeting, it was challenging for individuals who were remote to sometimes feel included in that conversation. There are often sidebar conversations that were going on with people in the meeting room. And then there was often multiple people talking at the same time and it really made it difficult for remote team members to hear or follow. And I didn't realize how bad it was until I had to work from home one day and join in on some of the meetings and I found how incredibly hard it was uh, you know and so sarah when you said you know something you felt you were a bad leader with hybrid teams you know i i had that moment as well going oh my gosh like i you really need to make sure that um i am creating an opportunity for everyone of my team members whether they're remote or in the office to contribute and have their voices heard so that's a challenge you got to find a way to make it an even playing field um, and as leaders, we need to make sure that we're not biased in favor of people who are in the office. And I know in the beginning, when I first started working a hybrid team, I'd have these great big elaborate meetings because I do like to party plan on the side. And so they all are themed, um, you know, and, it, you know, I had remote people. And, you know, in the beginning, I didn't really spend enough effort to how can I include them and how can I make sure that this is a unique uh, experience for them as well. So you know, uh, challenge there with the meetings, um, building relationships and, and maintaining connections. I kind of talked a bit about that when I was talking about my first experience with this, but this continues to be a challenge for us um, and for myself. So, you know, what I found is that when you're not together physically, there's like fewer opportunities to have those informal connections. And, and when you're not having some of those informal connections, I think it can really limit that organic learning, which happens when you just have a quick, you know, connection on thing. I used to just talk to the person who sat beside me all of the time and, and you know, we haven't been able to do that lately. And I really think that organic learning is important to development, especially for newer employees. 
And that hallway talk is just not happening the way it did um, before in the hybrid world. And, you know, I, I have had some of my own employees, they can feel isolated when those social connections aren't happening. Um, and that can just impact their engagement and then team engagement. And I know that when I was physically in the workplace, I would connect with employees from other departments, like in a cafeteria line even, you know, that I didn't work with often. And I would connect with my employees who weren't my direct reports or um, people that I had to work with day to day. I used to see them like in the hallways, in the elevators, on the way to the washroom, or just by being visible on the floor. And those connections were really important. So I, I think there's a real challenge still navigating through it on how do we build those connections with people or teams that we don't have to interact with regularly and or you're not in the same location. And one of the other ones um, that I'm still kind of dealing with right now as we're talking about what does it look like as we uh, have people move back into the workplace a little bit is I'm sure like most leaders and I'm sure like you, Sarah and Marianne, I like to have fun. So, you know, we have a lot of activities in our workplace, like we would have a dessert day and we would have an ice cream day and, oh, we brought everyone a gift day um, or we take teens out to lunch. You know, we even had take your break activities with 300 people in our Winnipeg campus because 99% of my team was working in the office. So, you know, how do you build a workplace culture that has fun and recognition in it in a hybrid world? Another challenge. You know, so I, I could I could ramble on on the many challenges. I could talk about technology challenges and screen fatigue, <laughs> but you know, maybe I'll just mention one more and hand it back to the two of you. You know, I just wanted to emphasize that leaders already had, you know, significant responsibilities. And now they're having to manage these challenges of leading in a hybrid world as well. And I think that can add stress. So another challenge really is to ensure that our leaders feel supported so that so that they don't burn out. So there's a handful of challenges that I've been kind of working through. It, so it's really trying to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. And like you say, it, burning out. Some of the resources that I'm thinking about on workplace strategies for mental health is um, a recognition preferences form where the individual can say, mm -hmm. this is how I'd like to be recognized or a feedback preferences form where they say, this is how I want to hear from you, whether it's a team setting or privately. But when you look at, uh, I think the biggest one that you mentioned, Christine, is that idea of the casual learning, the casual connections. What sort of advice do you have? What sort of solutions do you have for those who want to improve that connection? Well, you know, it, 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 it's a tough thing to do. And I am someone, Marianne, you know, I have social interaction needs. Um, so when I started working from home, it was a really hard adjustment for me. So like I've tried many things to try and cultivate connections and I can share some of those. I can also share some that I've seen um, my teams do, you know, so there's been a lot of virtual happy hours and coffee breaks, you know, where we don't discuss anything that has to do with work. Um, you can schedule virtual lunch breaks. So I have a monthly lunch break with a peer from another uh, another area that I don't work with from time to time, but we get together to maintain that connection and we talk about both work and non-work um, things in, in that meeting. I think that having virtual team building activities is is been something that has really worked in my organization where you get the team together is virtual and that is that's even been more inclusive 
um, because before we do some team building activities on our Winnipeg campus, and but my remote people in other parts of Canada weren't included in those. So it's been a real plus to kind of improve how we build um, the virtual capabilities around that. I mentioned doing the take your break activities and we found lots of ways to do those take your break activities virtually. And in those, that's an opportunity for people to connect with people that they don't even you know, have to work with day to day and start to build those connections. Um, I know that some of my teams have been keeping open chat lines open all day so they can just casually put in comments or um, ask questions um, so they can stay connected um, without being in a meeting. And, you know, I know, uh, I, you know, others have, you know, connected. Um, they have left their cameras off. They have put themselves on mute, but they work like they did in the office. And if they have something to say or something to share or, or a question to ask, they come off mute and ask it. And that's more mimicking kind of how it was in the workplace where you would turn around and ask someone something at the desk beside you or just have a quick connection uh, with them. And, uh, you know, someone had made a suggestion, and I kind of like this one, was if your team was willing, you could kind of build some, like, personal profiles um, and share some personal information. So if you love the NFL and you find out someone else on your team loves the NFL, that's great. If you love Bachelor in Paradise and you know <laughs> someone else loves Bachelor in Paradise and you just want to debrief on what happened on the beach last night, you know, you can make those connections. But, you know, if you can share, you know, on a personal level, then people can reach out, you know, and engage in common interests and start to build connections. So a few suggestions uh, there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's my plan for tonight is dinner and bachelor in paradise with a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to touch back on, you had talked about before burnout and um, how do we afford to give flexibility to our employees while also helping them maintain those healthy boundaries? Because I know um, we had discussed earlier when we were on the call, you, Marianne, Phil and I, when we were testing the technology, how much of a struggle it can be right now because a lot of organizations are allowing employees to be more flexible with their time, but then there are other organizations who are very strict around like no emails can be sent out after 6 p.m. Eastern. Um, they or they're delayed and they don't arrive till 9 a.m. Eastern, but then you might have an individual who part of their flexible work schedule is I'm going to get up at 6, work till 7.30 because that's when the kids get up. And if those emails aren't coming in until 9, it's like, well, now I feel like there's work I could be doing that I'm not getting access to. And it just feels like it can be so overwhelming, such another overwhelming challenge to deal with as a leader is, you know, how do we make the workplace flexible and yet um, still have those boundaries for our employees so they don't get burnt out or they don't feel pressure to constantly be checking their email? Yeah, yeah that's a that's a that's a great question, Sarah. And it's it's one that I think all leaders are trying to to figure out. And I, I don't know that I've got the perfect answer right now. Um, I mean, what what I, I would say is that um, everyone is unique and everyone has their own needs and, you know, and what work life balance might look for them and how, you know, the flexibility in their work arrangement might work best for them is going to be different from person to person on your team. So mm -hmm. as a leader, like I think 
one of the things you can do is just have an open dialogue, you know, one-on-one -on -one and talk about what flexibility might work for that person and what that might look with. And then also have that with the broader team. Because I think if you talk about kind of how do we want to work together as a team in recognizing that some people might be working earlier in the morning and some people might be working later at the night and just really setting clear expectations on what you expect the hours to be um, as a leader, what you expect response times to be mm -hmm. that, you know, by no means that, you know, if Marianne Baton emails me in the evening, you know, I know because she's told me before, she doesn't expect a response from me. So that, you know, that goes a long way. I think that's really important, especially for more senior leaders. When you're emailing your employees, right? They think, oh, my leader has emailed me, so I, I should respond. So I think if you have an open dialogue about what do we want this to look like? What does flexibility look like? What are the hours? What are our response time expectations? you know how do we want to communicate with one another i think i think that can go a long way in just setting the boundaries and but allowing that flexibility because you've been open and honest and communicating about how it's going to work and then what the expectations around that are yeah i think you've really hit the nail on the head that the idea is we're dealing with adults mm -hmm. and that if they are to have flexibility and we understand as you say that everybody's unique that that we really get the message across that just because I send an email at 11 o'clock does not mean you should respond. In fact, your phone should be off if you're not working in terms of you're not pinging and you're not getting these <laughs> things coming through to you so that you really can have the balance that you want. But I think the unfortunate thing is sometimes the leaders don't walk the talk and they're working all hours, day and night, all the time, and they're always saying how busy they are and how pressured they are, and it's like, oh, but you don't have to. And it's almost like it's a double standard, mm -hmm. that if you were somebody who was capable of leadership, you would have no boundaries and you would uh, work yourself into a burnout. <laughs> I've seen so many people talk about how, um, like in the last, couple decades that we use that like I'm busy all the time as a like badge of honor that burnout is almost like that badge of honor of like I know I'm worthy of my position because I'm constantly exhausted because my calendar is always full because I'm reaching a point of feeling burnt out and it's it's this I think we're starting to see an evolution where people are recognizing that is not the goal we should be striving for and leaders are starting to see that when our employees are getting to that point we need to intervene sooner because when they are burnt out we're definitely not getting the best um the best parts of them that are coming to work that are feeling good and excited it's like they're just trying to make it through the day and um i mean as a leader that's not what i would want for my employees i'm sure there are some leaders out there who that's what they want from their employees but we actually just had someone comment um, such a great idea that a colleague has added this to his email response. My working day may not be your working day. Please do not feel obliged to reply to this email outside of your normal working hours. And I think like, That's what a, what a perfect way. I know I was just thinking <laughs> I should totally do that. What a great idea. 
It, it is a great idea. And I think it's back to like being open and transparent and just if everyone knows kind of when people are working and what the expectations are, I think, you know, that goes a long way to, to helping people maintain their boundaries. And Sarah, you know, I think, you know, what you're describing to me is, you know, the real, the real point is leaders also have to role model the behavior around setting boundaries. And, um, you know, that's something I've had to work very hard at myself and at the beginning of this pandemic. And when I first came home, I was working nonstop. Now, part of that was there were some unique things that needed to be dealt with <laughs> for sure because of the pandemic, but I really didn't know when the end of my day was. I was, I was in my office all the time. So I have, I talk about setting boundaries. I say, man, your boundaries, like people who work with me will say guard, like they know that I'll say things like man, your boundaries, guard your boundaries, define what your boundaries are, because you, you, you don't want to be working to the point that you burn out. And there's a lot on leaders plate too. And, and, you know, it ties into, you need to prioritize, right? You need to prioritize if things are too heavy. I, I think engaging your leader in the conversation around what are the priorities? Here's what I have on my plate. You know, what should I be focusing on right now? Help, help me choose what the priority should be so you can maintain those boundaries. But it does come back to a lot of, you know, strong and effective leadership and leaders like Marianne, to your point, that are open to having the conversation. Mm -hmm. That um, what you had said, Christine, about, you know, coming to your leader and talking about what's on your plate and helping to um, figure out what is a priority right now. I mean, you were always so great at that with me and you created that one-on-one -on -one conversation framework, which is available, I think, on workplace strategies and on mindful employer. And it's just this like template of a conversation you have with your employee. And we often used it virtually because I mean, you were just traveling all the time, but it was a perfect way for us to check in with each other, to ask things like, you know, what are the challenges you're facing this week? Um, how can I support you with those? What's one mistake you've made this week, which was very scary in the beginning, but then now it's like, I don't mind telling people all the ways that I mess up um, because we're all human and we do. And it, it just asks like, how have you supported a customer, colleague, client this week? You know, how has someone supported you? What's your favorite thing that you're working on right now? And I think it really, I mean, for us, I think we already had that rapport, but it did give us an opportunity to continue connecting while we weren't sharing a space together. And I found that it was really helpful and I still, to this day, highly recommend it. Do you know what would be really interesting? It's just mm -hmm. making me think about this now, is if you took the people who have gone through mindful leader certification mm -hmm. and figured out how they managed through the pandemic versus people who haven't had that certification oh. because so much of what you teach them through there is this stuff that we're talking mm -hmm. about so it's, yeah it's thanks for the plug <laughs> yeah that actually is a great idea to reach out and see how people really did like manage with hybrid teams manage supporting them manage creating mm -hmm. those organic connections I know for me, um, Bill, who's on the line right now, supporting us with technology, he was hired during the pandemic and we've never met face to face. And so we were actually joking about it with um, Christine in our tech call that it's like, 
there's so many different ways to work with people now. Like even when we were having his interview, like it was over the phone. Um, and yeah, it is just so interesting. And yet I do feel like I know who Phil is to an extent. Um, but like we, when we talk on meetings, like we talk about how's life going right now? What are you up to? And um, we talk like politics or we talk what's happening in the world. And it is like, you do start to build that like comfort um, working with other people, which I mean, I think a lot of leaders are probably struggling right now with onboarding and making new employees feel like they're a part of that team. That can feel isolating. Yeah, Christine, what do you do differently with onboarding now when you may not get face-to-face -face with new hires? Well, uh, well, we have to do the training like virtually. So it, it, we, we're using Teams um that's our platform that we use that's been working really well as much as possible we are encouraging people um to use their cameras and you know that goes a long way because when you have the camera that video conferencing really allows you to see facial expressions body language hand gestures and it more mimics the type of um, communication that we had when we were physically together. So mm -hmm. as much as possible, we're encouraging the use of having the cameras on if, if possible. Um, and, you know, so it's a lot of, it's a lot of meetings, Marianne, I would say, because, you know, we're, we're having to do the training uh, virtually. We're having to share our desktops. We're having to share screens. Um, um, to be able to demo how things are going. But I think that's working well. Um, you know, again, you know, making sure that we understand how our new employees like to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we have a lot of materials for our people to review. So, you know, we can walk them through that. They can review it. We can have a Q&A. So there's lots of different ways that we can do it. So we're adapting that to kind of the needs of our our new employees as well, mm -hmm. um, you know, on, on my team. And then, you know, like we have a large group of uh, case managers across our organization and the entire training, we had already moved to an e-learning module um, type formats supported by a national trainer who was remote. So we had, you know, had a lot of experience already with creating some of our materials in an e-learning format. So it could be self-directed learning and then just being supported by live discussions or some practice work and things like that. So we were lucky that we had moved in that direction prior to the pandemic. I wanted to ask you to, um, I think so often, we, I, we've talked about this before, that you have those leaders who really struggle with uh, hybrid teams because they're very like command and control, things need to be done this way. Um, they are not comfortable with flexibility. And so those leaders who kind of question um, employees' productivity when they're not in the office, thinking that when they're at home, you know, they're only working minimum hours and they're gonna fall behind what would you say have been the biggest advantages to having a hybrid team and having that kind of flexibility? Oh my goodness. You know what? Well, there, there are a lot of advantages I think of having a hybrid team, like just for the employee themselves, it gives them a little bit more freedom about when they work and where they're working from. 
and I think that increased flexibility really allows them to fit work around some of the other parts of their lives more effectively. And I think it can result in, you know, better work-life balance. Um, for, for some, you know, it frees up that commute time and you can use that time to mm -hmm. do something fun or spend that with your family. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, for some employees, uh, you know, they're, they, they've loved the fact that they're spending less, you know, time and money on the commute or parking, uh, which is a plus. I, you know, my husband would tell you that an advantage to having a hybrid team is that he's seen the amount of money I spend on high heel shoes and work clothes <laughs> drop significantly. <laughs> and so he thinks that that's a real uh, plus from his perspective. <laughs> um, you know, some, some employees don't have to have that after school program every single day or before mm -hmm. school program. And that saves them money and it, they're there for their kids after school. And, you know, everything I'm talking about really leads to improved job satisfaction and and employee retention, which benefits the employee and the organization. Um, you know, benefits to the organization are, you know, as well as, you know, we have fewer people in in the office at the same time. Uh, organizations can, you know, reduce their office space with the increased use of technology. They only, you know, fewer office supplies. And with, with this great technology, you know, we've been able to do more virtual meetings and conferences that we never ever thought we could do in the past. And, you know, you know, you could reduce your travel budget. So I think there's some expense savings, um, you know, around that. I, for myself, um, my husband had a knee replacement in November. And before this pandemic started, it was a stressor that we'd already started worrying about because we carpooled to work. I was going to have to find parking. I was going to have to drive myself and commute and i wasn't sure how we were going to support him you know in his recovery from home and you know by being able to work in a hybrid world and work from home right after that it was a huge plus for me to be able to be here and you know get up and put ice in his ice you know machine when he needed it so i think there's lots of advantages you know, Sarah, you talked a little bit about, you know, the productivity aspect. And I, I don't know if you want me just to comment a, a bit about, Absolutely, about, yeah. about that as well. But, um, you know, I I do think a challenge and it's a risk that you, you could over track or over monitor or micromanage in some people's words when you're not physically seeing people at their desks. Um, you know, so I personally believe that it's just as um, possible to be productive in a work uh, in in a home environment as it is in, a, in an in office environment. I've seen some of my employees' productivity actually increase because they don't have some of the distractions in the office. I've also seen the reverse of that, where some productivity has dipped because the person you know, feels isolated at home or finds, you know, it hard to be connected or there's too many distractions even at, in the home environment. What I, what I really think is key is ensuring that you have a flexible arrangement that works for the employee individually, that they have the technology in place and that your organization has the technology in place so that they can accomplish their goals. Um, working remotely or in the office, and that you have strong leadership that really ensures that people have clear expectations, that they feel connected, and that they feel valued. And, you know, I, I have heard leaders say, you know, they're not sure if someone's working or they've seen the yellow dot, um, which says they're away from their desk. Um, 
so I do think that that can be the risk and trusting that everyone is pulling their weight when you can't, you know, can't see them there. But I think it's important then for leaders to really reflect on what's the best way that I can measure or monitor performance, because you have to find that balance between trusting your employees are working and getting the job done versus the over monitoring or over tracking. And really, I think if you have clear expectations and you have clear timelines or you have even metrics in place, then you can just focus on the outcomes mm -hmm. and results to measure performance and, and not worry about, you know, are they working every minute of every day because you, you, you've got that kind of infrastructure there. Yeah, that reminds me of a situation where a CEO came to me and said, I'm going to be talking to this guy about that when I walk by, he's just looking out the window and that's not productive. And I said, have you ever looked at what this person actually produces, the quality of their work and, you know, the quantity that they do? Well, that's not the point. If he's looking out the window, I said, but what you don't understand is his work method is that he deals with really complex issues. He stares out the window as he's organizing it in his mind. And then when it's organized, he puts it to paper. And Christine, what you're saying is the same thing. Let's not jump to you're not sitting staring at a screen right there now, therefore you're not productive. Mm -hmm. I know myself that if I get up at least once an hour and walk around and move around, I'm going to be more productive than if I sit and stare at the screen for eight hours. Mm -hmm. There's just no question. So it's just the employer or the leader learning how to measure um, the actual uh, outcomes rather than just whether or not you look busy. Listening yeah. to this conversation, I think like the two biggest takeaways that I have from this is communication and autonomy like how much you communicate and your team communicates with you it can be a make or break and having that open communication is so important and all of the advantages that can come from providing your employees autonomy autonomy to decide whether they want to come into work if that's what's best for them autonomy to decide if they want to stay home and work from home if that's what works best for them and their situation it's just like the freedom and sense of control and like oh my leader trusts me and they're allowing me to make this decision it's it can feel so incredible as an individual to know like oh, okay like things are going really well and i don't have to worry that my leader's gonna think i'm home at all day like baking cookies and watching maury at like 11 a.m it's like no they trust that i'm gonna get my work done and i think that can create so much respect between an employee and their leader and organization. And that's yeah, the and real benefit of it, isn't it? You it know, is. like, you know, I, if I can do some laundry during the day, cause I'm popping oh. in and out and throwing in loads or, you know, it's, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, hooray, like that's fantastic because if I'm delivering what I'm supposed to be delivering, that's all that really matters. Yeah. And how incredible, because then even those like that short five minutes, it takes you to throw a load in or change a load over. It's like now when your day ends, you have that much more time left for you to focus on the things that bring you joy, that fill your cup or that help you relax so that when you're starting work the next morning, you're feeling refreshed, you're feeling energized and ready to go. And, you know, that sounds like 
well, you're just a really nice person who wants to do things for mm -hmm. your employees. But the fact is the evidence shows that when we can get our employees to have that balance, mm -hmm. that we get more yeah. as employers. So, I mean, it's definitely a win-win. It's not about being nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Although I like to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> being nice is important to me. <laughs> yeah. um, let me just see if there's anything else. I honestly think, Christine, you gave us so information, so much information around like creating or opportunities for organic connection, which I think people have really struggled with so much. You covered the um, the challenges of hybrid teams. You covered the advantages of hybrid teams too. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about your overall experience? Um, what maybe through the pandemic and what the ways that helped you evolve as a leader of a hybrid team was there anything particular that came out of that well you know maybe i'll just i'll just add one comment that around the hybrid teams that i just want to call out um because some people will thrive in this hybrid environment and and i just want to come back to flexibility the, the reality is I think a hybrid work environment does not work for everyone. And so if I use my son as an example, and people might be surprised at this, I have a son and he's in his early 20s. You're not going to be surprised that I have a son in my early 20s, but I think you might be surprised about the fact that uh, he does not want to work from home. Mm -hmm. So he opted and I'm, I'm happy he was given the flexibility and the autonomy to make this choice. He chose to work in the office through the entire pandemic five days a week, even though there weren't a lot of people in the office. And he did that because he needed the structure of, you know, a, of a routine of leaving his, his, where he lives, going into the office, having an end time and coming back he did not do well with the distractions in the home environment you know whether it be the dog or you know people you know um coming and going and so i just want to highlight that a hybrid doesn't work for everyone so i really think it is about understanding what works for your employees and creating a flexible schedule a flexible work arrangement that actually meets their needs whether that's they want to be in the office full time they can work in a hybrid uh, world, or if your organization is open to it, that they spend majority of their time in the workplace or in in their home environment. Mm -hmm. What do you, what would you say has been your biggest takeaway from? Yeah, I, I really think it it does come down to what we talk about all the time: mm -hmm. asking your employee, "What do you need to be successful in doing your job?" Mm -hmm. What are you going to do to support yourself? Because mm -hmm. that's important that they take responsibility, whether they're at home or coming to work, to be able to have that balance in the moment. And then to really speak about um, prioritization and what's expected of them mm -hmm. so that there's absolute clarity. And what I've learned as a leader over the years is what I think is absolutely clear is not necessarily <laughs> what the employees think is absolutely clear. And so it's checking in and saying, mm -hmm. okay, so Sarah, I understand that you want to only come in two days a week and you want to work from home the rest of the time and that you're flexible about when those two days are. So I can call you at the last minute and say, come in tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And you can say, 
oh no i meant any two days you want but they need to be you know the same two days and so we get those things out and we have an understanding and how often would you want um, me to check in on you and when will we have our one-on-one so as a leader i think we have to have our egos in check that first of all the way we work is not necessarily the way other people want to work and that what you say to me today works really well for you can change Mm -hmm. i think about those adults who are still living in their family homes like your son and that he would have to literally live in his bedroom 24 7 in order to work and and from home and live there and that's just too confining like we need to let that change now when your son moves out maybe starts his own family that could be completely different where he'd yeah. love to be home most of the time so mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think it's for me it was just meeting people where they're at that this um situation really put us all in new waters where we were having to do things we never done before like i think of myself and other friends and colleagues who uh share a living space and it could be a studio apartment and it's like okay well great now both of us are working from home both of us are expected to be on meetings uh maybe at the same time both of us have cameras on and it's like all of the little things we never had to think about before are all hitting us now and it is kind of just like rolling with it and not being so stuck in um well, this is the way we need to do it. And this is how it needs to be done every time. Uh, For me, it was kind of just like, let me know what works for you. If this time doesn't work because of a certain situation, that's fine. Like we're going to figure it out together. I think it was that kind of um, unity of like, we are a team and we're going to figure this out together Mm -hmm. and we're going to overcome those hurdles together. And you're not alone in this. And you can check in with me if you need something. I'll check in with you if I need something. Um, yeah, I think that was my biggest learning experience of like, we're all feeling awkward. We're all feeling challenged and you know what, we're going to get through it together. Uh, Christine, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. You just shared so many of your incredible experiences with us, so much wisdom, which I know I'm definitely going to be walking away with a few ideas that are so helpful. And thank you to everyone who also took part today as participants. Thank you again, Christine. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you.